Welcome to the fifth week of Ordinary Time. It's our last week of Ordinary Time for the time being, uh, prior to going into the first week of Lent this Wednesday. It's, it's a time to take stock, to be thankful for what we have, and to prepare for the sacrifice we're asked to give during the season of Lent. To this week, we're given great readings for that. So they're readings that are set to really make us appreciate what, whatever the Lord may give us, to see the, the incredible gift that comes from the scraps of, of blessing that we might receive from him. We'll see a comparison between Solomon on his decline and a simple Syrophoenician woman who just wants her daughter to be healed. And it leaves us with the question, do we feel entitled to some great throne, to some great reward? Or are we satisfied on our day-to-day with the scraps that we are given by the Lord, recognizing that even a small crust of bread is enough to fulfill us. Monday, February 5th, 2024. The Memorial of St. Agatha, Virgin and Martyr. A reading from the first book of Kings. The elders of Israel and all the leaders of the tribes, the princes in the ancestral houses of the children of Israel, came to King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from the city of David, which is Zion. All the people of Israel assembled before King Solomon during the festival in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the Ark. They carried the Ark of the Lord and the meeting tent with all the sacred vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites carried them. King Solomon and the entire community of Israel present for the occasion sacrificed before the ark sheep and oxen too many to number or count. The priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place beneath the wings of the cherubim in the sanctuary, the holy of holies of the temple. The cherubim had their wings spread out over the place of the ark, sheltering the ark and its poles from above. There was nothing in the ark but the two stone tablets which Moses had put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel at the departure from the land of Egypt. When the priests left the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord so that the priests could no longer minister because of the cloud, since the Lord's glory had filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord intends to dwell in the dark cloud. I have truly built you a princely house, a dwelling where you may abide forever. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to land at Gennesaret, and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country 
and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. The Memorial of St. Paul Miki and his Companions, Martyrs. A reading from the first book of Kings. Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the whole community of Israel, and stretching forth his hands toward heaven, he said, Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You keep your covenant of mercy with your servants, who are faithful to you with their whole heart. Can it indeed be that God dwells on earth? If the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built? Look kindly on the prayer and petition of your servant, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry of the supplication which I, your servant, utter before you this day. May your eyes watch night and day over this temple, the place where you have decreed you shall be honored. May you heed the prayer which I, your servant, offer in this place. Listen to the petitions of your servants and of your people Israel, which they offer in this place. Listen from your heavenly dwelling and grant pardon. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees with some scribes had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. There are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and the scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? As it is written, The people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He went on to say, How well you have set aside the commandment of God in order to uphold your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. Yet you say, If someone says to father or mother, any support you might have had from me is korban, meaning dedicated to God. You allow him to do nothing more for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many such things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this one probably bears a little bit of explanation, because at 
first glance, it might suggest that Jesus is saying it's a bad idea to wash your hands before you eat. And um, certainly I've told my son enough times uh, over the years that he needs to make sure he has clean hands. I mean, that's it's, it's a question of sanitation. But it's really, in this case, it's not a condemnation of the practice itself, but the rationale behind the practice. The Pharisees here are questioning why Jesus's followers are not observing the ceremonial purification of their hands and you know, a variety of other things it mentions prior to eating. And so it has a lot more to the observance of Jewish law than it does with anything around washing hands. And Jesus's entire point here is that the Pharisees have, have effectively been enforcing a set of laws created by man and at the same time have used those conveniently to ignore some laws that were directly created by God. The one that he cites, of course, is one of the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and thy mother. And what, what was happening here is that you would have circumstances where someone would say, well, I and all of my uh, belongings are here for the good of God. And so when their their parents were um, ill or in need, rather than support their family and support their parents, they would say, well, I would, I'd really like to, but everything that I own is for the good of God. It's korban, which is dedicated to God. And so they would use it as an excuse to avoid actually fulfilling the uh, the commandment to honor thy father and thy mother. So what Jesus is really pointing to is that the Pharisees are trying to employ laws for their benefit and not necessarily uh, in the in the observance of God's will. And I think that's a, an important lesson to take across to any number of different uh, things that we may take away from the Bible is making sure that we're still observing God's will, even as we're, we're evaluating and using our own discernment on why we might be following certain rules. Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Kings. The queen of Sheba, having heard of Solomon's fame, came to test him with subtle questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a very numerous retinue, and with camels bearing spices, a large amount of gold, and precious stones. She came to Solomon and questioned him on every subject in which she was interested. King Solomon explained everything she asked about, and there remained nothing hidden from him that he could not explain to her. When the Queen of Sheba witnessed Solomon's great wisdom, the palace he had built, the food at his table, the seating of his ministers, the attendance and garb of his waiters, his banquet service, and the burnt offerings he offered in the temple of the Lord, she was breathless. The report I heard in my country about your deeds and your wisdom is true, she told the king. Though I did not believe the report until I came and saw it, with my own eyes, I have discovered that they were not telling me the half. Your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report I heard. Blessed are your men, blessed these servants of yours, 
who stand before you always and listen to your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, whom it has pleased to place you on the throne of Israel. In his enduring love for Israel, the Lord has made you king to carry out judgment and justice. Then she gave the king 120 gold talents, a large quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again did anyone bring such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. The word of the Lord. One quick comment on this, uh, this reading here is we end this with the comment about never again did anyone bring such a, a wealth of spices as the queen of Sheba did to King Solomon. But the next probably 30 or 40 verses of the Bible basically uh, show all of the additional visitors that come to King Solomon, giving him gold and silver, providing spices, uh, exotic woods, and all sorts of things that he then used basically to turn the temple of God into um, something that was quite radiant, to turn his own palace into the wealthiest the world had ever seen, um, and basically to make himself into uh, the most uh, luxuriant king that had ever sat a throne. So it very much became a story of, of the pure material that he received by virtue of um, the, the gifts that God had given him to begin with. In some ways, as we come to find out in the subsequent passages, it became very much a perversion of the very gift that he was given. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. When he got home away from the crowd, his disciples questioned him about the parable. He said to them, Are even you likewise without understanding? Do you not realize that everything that goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart, but the stomach, and passes out into the latrine? Thus he declared, All foods clean. But what comes out of the man, that is what defiles him. From within the man, from his heart, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within, and they defile. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And one quick note on this one. For all intents and purposes, with this parable, with this statement from Jesus, he effectively um, negated th more of the um, Mosaic and Levitican laws, where from the prior day, we were hearing about really needing to enforce the, the commandments that came from God, and perhaps to think twice about those laws that had come down from men. And in this case, he's doing the same and basically saying that the entire concept of kosher 
um, the, the various kosher laws on what could be eaten, what was prohibited to be eaten, um, were more of those that were simply passed on from men. That that eating foods that were not kosher would themselves not defile uh, a person. That it was truly this the person's sins that defiled them. Thursday, February 8th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Kings. When Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart to strange gods, and his heart was not entirely with the Lord his God, as the heart of his father David had been. By adoring Astarte, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the idol of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not follow him unreservedly, as his father David had done. Solomon then built a high place to Chemosh, the idol of Moab, and to Molech, the idol of the Ammonites, on the hill opposite Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. The Lord, therefore, became angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned away from the Lord the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. For though the Lord had forbidden him this very act of following strange gods, Solomon had not obeyed him. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is what you want, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I enjoined on you, I will deprive you of the kingdom and give it to your servant. I will not do this during your lifetime, however, for the sake of your father David. It is your son whom I will deprive. Nor will I take away the whole kingdom. I will leave your son one tribe for the sake of my servant David and of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive out the demon from her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, she found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friday, February 9th, 2024. A reading from the first book of Kings. Jeroboam left Jerusalem, and the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite met him on the road. The two were alone in the area, and the prophet was wearing a new cloak. Ahijah took off his new cloak, 
tore it into twelve pieces, and said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces for yourself. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I will tear away the kingdom from Solomon's grasp, and will give you ten of the tribes. One tribe shall remain to him, for the sake of David, my servant, and of Jerusalem, the city I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Israel went into rebellion against David's house to this day. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ear and spitting, touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A quick note on this passage um, in the way that we see it regularly um, to this day. In every Catholic baptism that's performed, there's a portion of it that's actually called the rite of Ephatha, the term that we heard Jesus call out over the deaf and uh, mute man. In the rite of Ephatha, the priest touches the ears and the mouth of the child um, and says, The Lord Jesus made the deaf hear and the dumb speak. May he soon touch your ears to receive his word and your mouth to proclaim his faith. And in fact, we're taking that, that very approach that Jesus had taken, the very words that he had given to uh, the man in the Decapolis and, um, and convey that through the, the words of the priest in every baptism. It's quite impressive. In fact, if you start looking through all of the celebrations, the mass, the uh, various ceremonies and rituals within the Catholic faith, that virtually every word of it ends up coming from the words of Scripture, that very little of the, uh, the substance of any of it is improvised or is um, uh, derived purely from, from the word of people, but all of it very much from biblical reference. Saturday, February 10th, 2024. The Memorial of St. Scholastica, Virgin. A reading from the first book of Kings. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will return to David's house. If now this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, the hearts of this people will return to their master, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me. 
After taking counsel, the king made two calves of gold and said to the people, You have been going up to Jerusalem long enough. Here is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he put one in Bethel and the other in Dan. This led to sin because the people frequented those calves in Bethel and in Dan. He also built temples on the high places and made priests from among the people who were not Levites. Jeroboam established a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month to duplicate in Bethel the pilgrimage feast of Judah, which sacrifices to the calves he had made. And he stationed in Bethel priests of the high places he had built. Jeroboam did not give up his evil ways after this, but again made priests for the high places from among the common people. Whoever desired it was consecrated and became a priest of the high places. This was a sin on the part of the house of Jeroboam, for which it was to be cut off and destroyed from the earth. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. In those days, when there again was a great crowd without anything to eat, Jesus summoned the disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will collapse on the way, and some of them have come a great distance. His disciples answered him, Where can anyone get enough bread to satisfy them here? in this deserted place. Still he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They replied, Seven. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then, taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. They also had a few fish. He said the blessing over them also, and ordered them to be distributed. They ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets. There were about 4,000 people. He dismissed the crowd and got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Damanutha. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. These were the words of the Syrophoenician woman from Mark's Gospel on Thursday. You'll see a comparable account in Matthew's Gospel, though it references her as a Canaanite woman. In either case, it's an important reference that she was a Gentile. She was not one of the chosen children of the Lord, as is often referenced in terms of the the Hebrews. And that's really what's going on here. Jesus is saying to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, is that him being cruel? Is it him denying her? No, that doesn't sound like him. What he's saying is to this woman, you know, are you deserving? What makes you believe that I should give you the blessing you're asking for, which in this case was the healing of her daughter who was possessed by demon? 
And one other note is that at this time, it's describing her as groveling, as begging. So she's probably down on hands and knees, kind of looking like a dog. And he's saying, you know, basically rise up. Her comment then, this tete-a-tete between the two of them is really clever because she's, she takes his dog analogy and basically says, I don't need to eat at the table with you. I don't necessarily deserve that. I'm not going to presume that it's my just due. But I don't need it. I just need the scraps. I need a little bit. Now, let's take that as a comparison, as a starting point for looking at some of the stuff going on in the Old Testament this week. We see the decline and fall of Solomon. We start off the week with these great stories about how he's bringing the ark to this this new temple. But by establishing this new temple, he's created a seat for himself. He's truly created a capital for his kingdom. And beginning with the queen of Sheba, he starts receiving such incredible wealth, gold and ivory, exotic woods that he puts on display for all to see. It describes among the readings that weren't uh, covered this week, that he ends up having this carved ivory throne that was like none that the world have ev- had ever seen. That he had gold shields placed among all the trees leading up to Jerusalem so people would recognize that they were on their way to this great place and that both the temple and his his palace were adorned in, in greater wealth than had ever been seen. And it corrupted him. He also is described as having a particular fondness for women from from foreign lands and takes many wives and as he brings them into his house he he basically allows them them to corrupt his own love of the lord to make them happy he establishes temples and altars to their various gods and begins worshiping them as well well we all saw how that ended in the in the readings he felt at that point in time that he was entitled to this grand kingdom. He had forgotten why it was that he had, he had been bequeathed with it to begin with. And then we see his initial successor, Jeroboam. Jeroboam was actually his servant, someone who had worked for Solomon and had been loved by Solomon. And then Jeroboam was told, you're now entitled to the vast majority of this kingdom, all but one part. Well, that one part was the the seed of David. It was Jerusalem. And so he would look and he would see that people were continuing to go and sacrifice in Jerusalem to give thanks to God. And he recognized, unless I tear those people away from their Lord, then the legacy of David will be reignited. And I might be killed. He so wanted to cling to power that he was willing to destroy his faith in the Lord and instead cast two golden calves that he put at Bethel and Dan, very much like the Hebrews did when they had 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 a successful exodus, but felt that the Lord had shunned them, had turned his back on them, and they started to look to idols and to look to other gods. 
And just as God did in the case of, of the people who had turned their backs on him in the deserts of, of Judah, so too did he end up tearing down the people, the tearing down Jeroboam's dynasty. And instead we see that there's continuity in the throne of David all the way, ultimately, we know to Jesus. And then finally, one final comparison. We see the Pharisees in the gospel this week taking the power of their office to enforce the laws of the Lord and trying to to use that to hold over Jesus and his followers, pointing to the laws of man. And Jesus then points out, at the same time that you're trying to lord over me the power to which you feel entitled through the the, the gifts of, of man, you've effectively turned your back on the Lord. You feel so entitled to the power that, that you have that you've ignored the, the fundamentals, the commandments of the Lord you swore to serve. And then we have scraps. We have the people like the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, who simply seek, seek scraps. We have the woman who was suffering from hemorrhages that we heard about a week ago. Hemorrhages for 12 years. And she but just wanted to touch the fringe of Christ's mantle. We hear the story in this case of him going around to various parts of of Israel and Judea and people from all sorts of villages and towns seeking to touch but a tassel of his mantle, knowing that that's all they needed to be healed, that it was just, just a little bit. And then we culminate this whole story with the the miracle of the fishes and loaves on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. The people have been there. 4,000 people have been there for days. And Jesus is preparing to send them away, but recognizes many of these people are going to have a hard time getting home. They've got a long way to go. They've been here for days and they're, they're exhausted and they're hungry. We have to feed them. How many Loaves of bread do we have? Seven. It's enough. The people in their love and faith found enough in the scraps of Christ. And just as we're satisfied every week in the Mass and consuming the body and blood of our Lord, in just those, those scraps, we find our appetite is sated. So do we need to sit at the table of the Lord itself or simply be satisfied that he is giving us just a morsel that he can and it's enough? Do we look to ourselves on a day-to-day basis like Solomon, Jeroboam, and the Pharisees who felt entitled to their lot in life, or do we give thanks 
for what we're ultimately bequeathed from the Lord, for what we owe to the Lord, the blessings that he gives us every day of our lives, the scraps that he casts off. One last note is recognizing each of the three people that I cited as being entitled were the favored of the Lord. Solomon was the favored of the Lord. Jeroboam was handed Solomon's kingdom with an expectation that it would be protected and cared for as the Lord would have. The Pharisees were originally the leaders, the the priests of the Hebrews, the children of the Lord, the chosen people. And in the end, each of them was cast off because they fell away from the Lord. Even if we find ourselves with blessing today, we need to make sure that we continue to hold on to it, that we continue to be satisfied with what He gives us, and we continue to find fulfillment, satisfaction, and a sated appetite on the scraps that He offers. Thanks be to God. Thank you.